Are you afraid? You should be. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. A face will be added to the whole. You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods were mine. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. They have no idea what's going to happen. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. This is Take the Black and I'm your host Razor. And I'm here with the usual suspects, Isis, Corey Phone, Corey Smith, and Annie Bundle. And we're here to talk everything about Game of Thrones Episode 7, The Broken Man. And boy, what an episode it was. Even though it was a transitional episode, it was a spectacular episode because... We had the return of Sandor Clegane, the Hound. And, I'm not really sure because I haven't done the research on this, but we had a cold open, guys. We did. Annie, Annie, how many cold opens have we had in Game of Thrones? Not many, and they almost always do it when they're bringing somebody back who they don't want to give away in the credits. So, basically, Hmm. they did it because, you know, it's not going to be effective if you see Rory's name in the credits, and then there he is. So, that's why they cold opened it. And you and I knew that he was coming back way back, right at the end of season five, because he was spotted in Belfast. That's correct. When we, when we were looking for Kit Harrington, because Hair Watch 2015 and 16. You know, it was funny because I saw a lot of people. Like the fact of the matter is, is like a lot of the cast hangs out in Belfast. Some of them live in Belfast, especially like the kids. So, like, Shireen was hanging around, and the girl who played, um, the girl who played Cersei's daughter before she was Cersei's daughter, back before she hit puberty. So, like, you know, it felt like there was a reunion of the dead going around, like, on a regular basis. So, uh, you know, there was, you know, there was a possibility that Rory McCann was just hanging in Belfast, but we had a pretty good idea that the answer was no. Well, I don't think what I expected was, uh, that he would be basically his own, like, show within a show when he finally turned up. Yeah, I was not expecting him to take up so much time. Like, and then, but then we had, we had Ian McShane pretty much give away everything in a, in a BBC radio interview. Yeah, but he didn't give away the fact that they were going to be by themselves. Like, he didn't actually give away the fact that they were their own little, like, island of a, of a, That's true. of a show within a show. You know, it's funny because it really felt like, in a lot of ways, the play within a play that we've seen Aria be part of the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a bunch of really big named actors being stunt cast in these tiny little roles that they're kind of like off in their own little world away from the rest of the show. And this, again, felt like very much stunt casting in a, a, a small little, you know, the, you know, the hound's life, you know? <laughs> So weird. You know, so hound's life. This is this is like a little <laughs> spinoff that's happening um, in a different world where the grass is still green and winter hasn't come yet. And you know, and and we stunt Cassie and McShane because you know, of course we can. Why why wouldn't we? Um, so yeah, it, it very much felt of a piece in that sense. It felt like a, kind of an echo of that. I love Ian McShane so much, and Corey Thone. I know you're a huge fan of Deadwood, and I and I I saw your tweet last night. Actually, I saw it this morning because I wasn't on Twitter last night, but I saw it this morning where it was like fucking confirmed Clegane Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you seemed very excited about that. But um, I was reading uh, Ian McShane's interview today, and he was like, 
yeah, they brought me on because uh, I'm really good about giving these big long speeches. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I love Ian McShane. He's just he's just he's just my guy. And yeah, of course, he has to give these big long diatribe speeches type things where he did it all the time on Deadwood. So why not bring him on Game of Thrones for a one-off yeah. where he talks about these a, a convoluted type broken man speech where he's given sure. a sermon. Well, I think that there's a lot of – and Annie said this. There's a lot of weight that Ian McShane carries with him for – I would say people that are a fan of Game of Thrones probably are familiar somewhat with Ian McShane. And, oh, of course. And even on shows that didn't work, like NBC's Kings that he was on, which is one of my favorite shows that got canceled one season, um, he brings so much gravitas to it. And and he's such a, a recognizable name and voice. And, and the first thing that popped into my head, because I think the gold standard for me, it's probably because I was like 11 when the movie came out, but the first Mission Impossible with Tom ah. Cruise. Uh, Emilio Estevez was the second or third biggest stand-up movie, depending on how big you think John Voight was in the 90s. Like Tom Cruise, <laughs> Tom Cruise is obviously number one. And then it's like with John Voight and Emilio Estevez, man, this was going to be awesome. They killed Emilio Estevez in the first like six minutes. And didn't the elevator crush yeah, him or well, something? Yeah, he got yeah. stabbed through the throat by the elevator or whatever. Like, it went down his yeah. mouth. It was all messed up. And it stuck with me forever. Is like, that was a bold move to take one of the people that he was bonk, Gordon Bombay, and killing him. <laughs> and, uh, like, that's kind of, I think, as funny as the Bombay joke is, taking E. McShane, bringing him for one episode, showing the impact that he had on the Hound and on those people, and then killing all of them, including E. McShane, that adds – if you'd have had a face a, – a, a, not faceless, but a nameless actor that you really didn't know, that the world doesn't really know, it wouldn't have had the the emphasis, I think, that Ian McShane had being killed after one episode. So I think it was a really good cast. Right, right. So, Corey Smith, let me ask you this. Two questions. Um, with now that we've got Sandor Clegane back on the show and with the hanging of – Septon Ray, which should have been the silent brother melded with Septon Maribald, but so they called him Ray. I don't really know what's going on with that. But uh Septon Maribald was copyrighted. Yeah, I guess so. Um Is this Steve. Are we looking at two a two parter here? Are we looking at Lady Stoneheart fucking confirmed and or are we looking at Clegangbull fucking confirmed? You know, I swear my phone was blowing up today, everybody asking about Lady Stoneheart. I still, and be ready to scream, I still don't see her showing up on the show. You are right. not a truther? I'm not a truther. I, I mean, I think that it could make sense now that, you know, if they were going to do it, I do like the idea of doing it after John is brought back as opposed to before, just because it would have taken away some of the weight of John's resurrection if they were showing people doing it all the time. But I just I don't see why you would bring her back at this point. Like what purpose she would serve this late in the story, and I don't see, you know, how you would do it. I mean, this season you've been bringing back so many people. It's like you start bringing back Catelyn, and everybody's gonna be like, oh well, what about so and so? What about so and so? Well, the show's already jumped the magic shark. Right. We we you can forget about like it's already jumped the fantasy shark. The fantasy shark. So. I wouldn't worry about that. And the how and the why, the why is this. You brought three members of the Brotherhood Without Banners that we've not seen before on the show. You brought in three guys on, on horseback, and one of them was quite obviously a nod to 
Lim Lemon Cloak. Right. On the horse with the yellow cloak. Is it really his name? Because all yeah, that shit yeah. rhymes. That's absurd. That well, he he wears he wears a cloak and then over the over he, time is turned. Does yellow. he speak in and rhyme like Tom Bombadil? No, a, because a, no, that's what he sounds big, like. No, no, he's a big dick. He's an asshole. I'm lim, lim lemon cloak with my yellow cloak. Well, so they call him that, and but this guy was an obvious nod to that, and they they're obviously worshippers of the of the red god. Right. So that means they're brotherhood without banners, and they played they played the red woman music as they rode they rode in and rode off. So we know that they're part of the brotherhood. Roy McCann or the Hound called them brotherhood without banners. Here's the how. I mean, you, they had a hanging of Septim Maribald, and I was reading the thread on a thread on Twitter. Like they were like, why they would bring Lady Stoneheart in now, and it's like, okay, so here's a hanging. We know that Lady Stoneheart hangs her victims. Why would she hang a Septon? Well, the Septon was a broken man. He terrorized the people of, of the Riverlands before he became a Septon. He killed, he raped, he tortured, he burned, But now he's he running stole. for Anonymous. I mean, I know fine. he is, but still. But you got to understand, Lady Catelyn is now a, a, a vengeful revenge zombie. Yeah. She doesn't really care. She doesn't have – she doesn't really care anymore. And so she could, you know, she sends out her riders, and they find these people, and they could have also recognized the hound amongst these people. I, I mean, they know they know what the hound looks like. He's very distinguishable by his burn marks. Yeah, and so, and I would just, I mean, like I know in the book she becomes this revenge zombie, but she is only killing Freys and Lannisters. She's not running around killing random civilians that are just, you know making stew and stuff like that and 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 to the point of okay maybe they recognize Sandor Clegane well sure but if that was the case you would think they would have stuck around to make sure they got him instead of just killing everybody else so I agree and but it's but the, show, the show always goes off book on a certain point a certain and that's true but I, I just don't see them turning Lady Catelyn into some you know person who's running around just randomly killing people it just doesn't I mean, what would be the point of that? You mean like they turned Yara Greyjoy into a full-blown lesbian? I mean, yeah, but that doesn't... <laughs> yeah, they did. I mean, bang. Yeah, of course they, they did. But that's changing... This is you know. HBO. They did that because it was HBO, sir. <laughs> I know. Nobody's I'm complaining kidding, but... about that, but I, I think that, you know, I mean, if you you start to change Lady Catelyn's basic motivations, you turn into a villain, because that's who she would be if she's just killing these, you know, random women and children, I don't I don't see the point in why would you bring her back to turn her into a villain? We have enough villains. Before we get off this topic, I do want to point out one thing. At the end of a dance with dragons or if that's her last scene or in feast, she in, she's about to hang Pod and Brienne and she, that, that's when she becomes a villain because she's willing to hang Pod. I, I see and I disagree there too because even there she still is justifying as okay, these people are serving the Lannisters. They, See, that, they, to, they serve my enemy. No justif- but there's really no just. He's, he's a child. There's really no justification for that. I, I'm not saying it's not a stretch, but, I mean, there's a difference between that and then killing all the people we saw last night is all I'm saying. Okay. And so, okay. and then, you know, if you – but – so anyways, I still don't see it. If I do end up seeing it, then I'm going to, you know – But I want to point out that's not a spoiler because it didn't happen. It, we we were the book cut off before it happened, so we don't know that it actually happened. So I'm just going to put it out there. That's not a spoiler. We don't know that Brienne and Pod were, were hanged. In fact, Brienne comes out later to grab Jamie for a certain purpose. So right, that's not a spoiler. Then, anyway, 
it's, it's up to her debate whether or not they were hung beforehand and she and Brianna's a zombie or if Brianna's alive. <laughs> exactly. Now, Isis, I got to ask you a question, and I've been wanting to talk to you about this. As as uh, Septon Ray comes up to the Hound and he's chopping wood fiercely, and he's like, "How many men did it take to bring you down?" And it comes out that it's not actually a man, it's a woman. Did that bring a smile to your face, remembering that fight that Brienne kicked the shit out of him? Absolutely. I love the fact that he could at least admit it, that it was, a, yeah. it was an actual, you know, that it was a woman. And uh, and that, you know, he, he admits it. He, he She got the better of him uh, that day and everything. I'm really happy that uh, he is back. I was shocked when they did that cold open. Uh, having Ian McShane just for this one-off episode, I mean, I could I could hear him monologue like all day long. Really, I could. And the fact that Corey knew that he was on the TV show Kings and loved it makes me love Corey even that more. I love you, I said. Much more. I, I love you, boo. And uh, like when he said he just mentioned Kings, I was like, holy crap, that's awesome. Because uh, I love that show. Because I watched it because Ian McShane was on it. Uh, yep. And it was a great show. But uh, – you know, I, I think that uh, the Hound is now – I think he just needed that episode to kind of bring him back because he, he's been gone for so long. Um, but he needed that dynamic actor to, you know, kind of give him the reason to go on because if it was just a no-name, nobody, um, I don't think he would have been able to, uh, to, you know, kind of get under his skin and really kind of get him thinking because he was just happy just – cutting wood there and not doing anything. He did not, he didn't want to become involved at all. Uh, but now he's, he has to become involved. He so seemed uh, I think he seemed to resign to a life of peace at that point. Mm. He did. He was just like, I'm just going to live out my days doing this and, no. you know, being useful, but, but not, you know, to Corey, you don't think so. Did you see how that dude was chopping wood? He is pissed. Well, like he's, well, he's working out. Well, some no, issues. No, no, no. Oh, I'm saying he's working some shit out, okay? Yeah, no, I agree. I just, I mean, are we really going to sit here and think that the Hound was ever going to, like, just live his days out? Maybe he was telling himself that for a little while, that, like, no, he was really done. He was, you know, he he, he went through some really nasty crap, you know, both from the Lancers and everything else. And, you know, this way he keeps himself from his brother. He's away from everything. You know, it might be nice for him to have this life. Of course, it's not going to last, but, you know, for a little while he can pretend to himself. Well, I think it's interesting. I'm sorry, Razor, but it's interesting if you look at his arc post-leaving at the Battle of Blackwater. And what we've seen of him and what he's become from being the guy that was like, anybody with a sword without blood on it, I'll kill him myself, whatever he said. Like, from that guy to the almost, like, awesome, fun, like, like the, the, the duo with him and Arya, to the fight with, the very humbling fight with Brienne, to now working as, as basically a hand. Even though we saw him carrying a log by himself, he's still the hound. Like, he has a limp. Dude is... Dude is crazy. He's still strong. crazy strong. Like we've seen that he's still that guy, and he still has that rage inside of him. But he's doing his best. I think that a lot of that came from the humbling of Brienne, and also hanging out with Arya to like to learn again that like, hey, so everything up until is a very will hunting moment. Everything up to this point was not my fault, and and now it's like I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to to be good. But I mean, come on, he when it's all said and done, and I think he knew it in his heart of hearts. 
he swings an axe and he swings a sword and that's who he is. But now he can do that maybe not for good, but not for evil. And hey, that's a step in the right direction, right? So, so what you're basically saying is, despite all his rage, oh for heaven's sakes, he's still just he's a still hound, a rat in a cage. He's a hound in a cage. Exactly. <laughs> what it is. You are fired. Ninety-seven. <laughs> all right, let's get over to King's Landing where. We saw the queen of the seven kingdoms, and yes, she is the queen, Marjorie, reading piously from the seven-pointed star or whatever it's called, and the, the sparrow comes in. Now, we all thought she was the puppet of the sparrow for a little bit, but apparently he's her puppet. She's running game on him. Uh, you know, I think they're each other's puppet. I mean, seriously, yeah. he was standing there warning her that he that, that they were coming after her grandmother next. If she didn't and what, behave and she didn't get her grandmother to behave. And what did she do? She warned her grandmother. That's true. Think, she did. I think that the High Sparrow wanted Elena out of the city. That could be true. I think, I think that's exactly what he was going for. I, I mean, because otherwise he wouldn't care if he was going to grab her and put her in jail. He wouldn't have told Marjorie. I think he wanted her to think that she was in danger. He wanted her out of the city. I think the High Sparrow knows that she's probably the smartest person yeah. in the city other than him. Yeah. So get him out of the way and let Cersei and Mace Tyrell run everything yep. straight into the Regular ground. Regular size Rudy is right. Yeah. <laughs> but Isis, I have to ask you this. Is it indeed Marjorie's duty to give up that booty? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not her duty to give up that booty, okay? Uh, I don't care what the High Sparrow says, uh, and I can understand why she's not giving up that booty. I mean, she was in in jail for a long time. (laughs) She was locked up for a very, very long time. Um, And so uh, I wouldn't be very inclined to be giving up the booty either, uh, to to my husband, who you know, unfortunately, he is he is a child. Let's call it what he is. He is he is a yeah. child. Um, so I don't I don't um, I don't expect. I, I thought it was just funny that he was giving relationship advice, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't necessarily agree with it. I was just like, excuse me. I like that he's like um, the co- Congress for the women is not necessarily about desire. Okay, it's patience. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah is, just that, lay there I, and take I it. That. Yeah, I relate that to, like, you know, when uh, Catholics, before they get married, they have to go through, like, marriage training and stuff like that. That that conversation was, like, very similar to that very uncomfortable position that you're talking to your priest about uh, premarital sex. So well, it was just really weird and time. really creepy. I was, that wasn't the only time in this episode, though, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, that we really got into the idea that, like, hey, at least Highborn, your love life is not really yours. It's not sure. something you control because with the, the really pissed off guy that Sansa argued with, I can't remember names. Glover. Yeah, Glover. the Glovers, like, they made it very clear that what Rob did, they didn't agree with. And that that's the reason that the Boltons are in power and everything else. And it's like, for us watching it now, it's like, okay, well... Rob really liked that girl whose name I forget, like more Lisa. more than just physically. But it's also very clear that Rob was very much about like wanting a hot wife. But like it was more than physical. He like enjoyed being with her as a person. And that was not that that was a problem because he had an oath to keep with Marjorie and everything else. The High Sparrow being like, this is your duty. It's like that's they really nailed home, I think, in this episode, how much 
uh, highborn duty, if you will, like plays into people's. You said it's dude. a duty. How much their marriages and stuff? Like we've talked about, this, you're a Snow, not a Stark, and and you're not a Stark. You're a you're a Bolton, or is it a Lannister? We're not really sure at this point. And everything else, they didn't really hit home this episode that like marriages and stuff in the highborn society is a big deal. So I don't know. I just, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I disagree with what he said, just like ISIS, because I would never agree with what he said, especially not with ISIS on the same call as me. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that, that there was in more than one scene, this episode in particular, they they really kind of put that that in your head that like, hey, this this whole thing is messed up. So, Annie, if you were Marjorie, could you sexually perform with Septa Unella in the same room watching you? <laughs> Close your eyes and think of England. Close your eyes and think of Westeros. I mean, I suppose. You know, actually, what, you know what struck me more than anything, though? Okay, so he's sitting there telling Marjorie, you need to breed because you need to baby. Basically, you remember how, like, she was trying to get a baby in her belly when she was married to, um, when she was Renly. Renly and Renly, like, you know, she's like, look, we'll put Loris in the bed, whatever it takes to get you hard. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Um, but it's, it's basically the same thing. We need to put a baby in your belly because if something happens to Tommen, we need this line to be, you know, we need this line to be secure. And that total foreshadowing, well, no, by the way. But here's the thing, right? Yes, of course, Tom is going to die by the end of the year. But that's that's neither here <laughs> nor there. What is here or there is the fact that Cersei's trial is coming up. Mm-hmm. If Cersei is found guilty of incest with Jamie and her children are all declared illegitimate, that Ooh. makes Tommen illegitimate. It makes him makes his and that his, takes away a king that mm-hmm. the High Sparrow has as a playing piece. It is not in the High Sparrow's interest to find Cersei guilty if he is mm-hmm. trying to basically get Marjorie to have uh, uh, the next in line with with Tommen. This this, this would derail his whole plan. So yeah, that who would, becomes the who becomes the king after this? Well, who's well, the rightful heir? Okay, if Tommen dies and there's a baby in Marjorie's belly. Then the baby, when it's born, if it's a boy, if it's a girl, I think there's still like a ch- I, no. If it's a girl, it's not. Um, if it's a boy, then it's their child that's that 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 uh, inherits. No, if, I'm saying if if Thomas if Thomas declared a bastard. Oh, if Thomas declared a bastard, ooh, that's a problem because the answer well then would have well, been. Annie, uh, the answer is obvious until we have a time to be able to determine who should be king. I, the High Sparrow, will sit on the throne and make all the calls. Oh, oh I see. Yeah, that's very good. Um, you know, though I don't... Gendry. Yeah. <laughs> no, Gendry's a bastard. He can't. Um, that's true. No, 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 no. Um, Baratheons are all dead. Um, there really isn't one. I think, they, really I, think I remember someone breaking this down, and it's like it was someone from House Martell. Is it someone from House Martell because... Uh, I mean, in the books. I mean, on the show, who the hell knows? But in the books, someone went back like nine generations and found a distant cousin's relation. It would have to be because yeah. they intermarried with Targaryens several generations back. Right. So, so that would be, that would be the answer then? There. Yeah. Hmm. That would have to be okay. the answer. I, yeah. Jeez, I didn't think that a Game of Thrones podcast could get nerdier, but here we are. Coffee <laughs> lineage... Good stuff, guys. Uh, it was a long, long, long uh, article that you had to read through to finally get to the point. In it. But it was pretty good. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was well, that that wrote that on that... our, our site? Hmm? Yes, I did. Sorry, somebody wrote that on our site. I forget who wrote that. Anyway, um, moving along. Yeah, so <laughs> what did you have to say, Isis? You wanted to chime in with something. Never mind. It's all good. Rock, <laughs> <laughs> rock. Okay, so anyway, we saw Marjorie talk to her grandmother, and at first it seemed like she was going to play the pious queen once again, but then she passed her a warning in the form of a rose, which meant that Marjorie really wasn't the High Sparrow's puppet. She was actually acting on the behest of her grandmother, which was get the hell out of King's Landing as fast as possible. Now, that still leaves a problem for Loris. I am severely and sincerely worried about Loris. I don't know what's going to happen with poor Loris. In the books, he's one of my favorite characters. He's gallant. He's a knight. He's a badass. He's not this vapid uh, weakling that he is on the show. Um, I want. I really want him to come out of this, but I don't have any hope for him. I don't think he's going to come out of this any, to do, doing very well at all. I think he's going to be scarred or dead by the end of the season. So um, hopefully something happens that I mean, it, we've seen him do an interview in the behind-the-scenes video where his head has been shaved, and he's wearing potato, potato sack clothes. He looks like he's already become a penitent, so maybe he does choose the life of a, of a sparrow. I hope not, but something tells me that Loris is not going to come out on the good end of things. Uh, but it looks like Lady Olena is going to make her way back to Highgarden. And I like the fact that her she told Cersei off. Like at first, I kind of felt bad for Cersei, and I know Isis, you don't feel bad for Cersei at all. But oh, no, I, was I, kind, cheer, I was cheering for Lady Olena. She was giving her the business, and I loved yeah, every was. second of it. She was telling I, I don't her know like what everything that we want to say. I don't know what it is. I kind of feel bad for Cersei right now. Yeah, like she's Cersei coming. She was there, literally trying to play the game again. I mean, she I know, literally she... was there trying to say, trying to use all, all the same lines. We have to work together. And Eliana was like, girl, you lost. Yeah, I understand that. I do. I, and maybe it's just the writing of the show is so good. I just started to feel bad for Cersei again. And I don't want to feel bad for Cersei, but I just started to feel bad for her. Like, she's, like she's reaching out for a companion. She's reaching out for a... Uh, whatever, and I know she's playing the game. I know deep down she's a dirty trickster, but whatever. Anyway, um, she has the mountain, and we saw the trailer for next episode. The mountain's going to squash a bunch of sparrows. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. But um, let's leave King's Landing, and let's, let's wait, go Wait, I ahead. didn't get to make my joke, actually. Oh, let I, me hear your joke. Because I thought of this last night, and I didn't tweet it. I saved it for now. So she gives the rose to Oleana, I always say her name, and Olena. Olena. And uh, all I could think of was uh, that there used to be a Tyrell Tower alone on the sea, but you remain in King's Landing on the dark side of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You're fired. All of you, right back to the land. I'm not. Stay there. Yes, I am not drunk enough for this podcast right now. Yes. Like, I'm, 
I am clearly <laughs> not. Two nineties songs. Listen, that we, I'm just we, saying that we all think Loris is gay, but maybe he just loves girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. So. Anyway, moving on. Oh my god, dude, I love you so much for that. By the way. Thank Leanne for this, by the way, for making those blueberry marks. Oh, man, that's amazing what you just did. Okay. <laughs> now we get to talk about the my favorite part of the show and probably what everybody else's favorite parts were. And that is uh, – well, well, we have to start at the wildling part, but it's John's talking – John and Tormund and Sansa and Davos, they're all trying to recruit people for their – Attack on Winterfell, and they start with the Wildlings, and of course, the Wildlings are hesitant, and they have they have the bulk of Jon's army. They make up the bulk the bulk of Jon's army, two thousand men, and of course, along with these two thousand men comes a giant. You know, it's kind of like the Avengers. We have a Hulk. They have a one one, right? So if they can get the Wildlings on their side, and they can get a giant on their side, I can imagine that they can sway the battle pretty pretty heavily in their favor. You know, I'm I'm not sure numbers wise how that sways, but one one can take out probably a, a good couple of hundred men if he gets that gets a tree in his hands oh, and just man. starts swinging like a bat. Yeah, but you see there's a problem. They got the wildlings, but that means that none of the northerners want to join them now because they're all racist idiots like Charlie. That's true. That is true. Um, but, uh, Corey Smith, let me ask you this. Like Annie's saying, is the, is the main problem the fact that the northerners are super racist against the wildlings? We do see houses joining them. There are a few houses joining John. Uh, we have Mormont. Uh, and a couple other houses. Uh, we have I have it written down here somewhere, but we have a couple other houses joining. And there is rumors that Manderly might join John. I hope we see Manderly join John in episode nine. Um, what do you think? You, you, do you think we're going to see any more houses join John in his cause? I think we'll get a couple more. I think they'll probably be the smaller houses. I think the you know the, the, there's definitely the racism factor, but I think also they're they're probably just tired of fighting. You know, I mean mm-hmm. they had the bulk of their men went down south with Rob. The ones that stayed behind got slaughtered by the Ironborn when they invaded. So I mean I think that like if all things being equal, they would probably overlook the fact that they're wildlings. Um. But because they kind of just been screwed around for the past three or four years, they really just are kind of tired of it. Well, you know, it does, the specter of Rob's failure really did hang over everything this week. I, you don't realize how much it does until you start listening to everybody bitch about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, and, you know, the thing is, is, you know, it, we, we kind of forget you know, that how badly Rob's war went and how stupidly he screwed it up by being his, by being his father's son, basically, and insisting, you know, the fact of the matter is that Talisa always, or Talisa, she always annoyed me as a character because Jane Westerling, who is the woman he marries in the books, was a dumb, highborn lady who assumed that she would be married to someone of Rob's rank. 
you know, right. uh, whereas, you know, in, in, on the TV show, this one just seemed so much more sensible. Like she would understand, no, he has a duty and he has to go marry this, this other girl because he promised, but I, I could be his mistress and it'd be totally cool. Like she, you know, like she would have been fine with that and he wouldn't hear of it because he was too stupidly honorable. And he basically lost his entire war because he couldn't take a woman as his mistress. He had to take her as his wife. Well, see, that's the difference. That's the difference between Rob and Ned. Is that Rob's honor was based off what he thought was honorable, and Ned's honor was based off what others thought was honorable. Ned, Ned always thought, "What are other people going to think?" That's why he lied about Helen Reed. That's why he possibly lied about John's birth. Right. Damn, Rob, good. Rob is the one that, like, I know what's honorable. I love this woman. I'm not going to – it's like, that's bullshit. It doesn't work like that. In the Highborn, again, we get into that. But on the flip side, Rob has a dope-ass wolf head now. So, you know <laughs> – In his grave. Well, <laughs> but he looks fly as hell in that grave, son. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I love, I love that. No, but you know what the problem with Rob was, and here's what here's you make a good point, Annie. Is not not too many people think about the failures of Rob until it's brought up on the show. Is because he won every ba- every battle he fought in. He was undefeated. He had he had the support of the entire North. He, he won it on the battlefield and lost in the bedroom. Yeah, he, he, yeah, basically. Story of my life. <laughs> and his biggest problem was his was his damnable honor, and he got to he got to the fray, he got to the twins. He made the mistake of locking up his dire wolf and not letting not letting Grey Wind come into the wedding feast with him, even though his mother said, "Don't lock up your dire wolf. Don't trust the phrase." Hey, you know, he I, made the mis- I, I do have a thought though that just occurred to me. You know. What if John and Bran and Rob had known the truth about their father and hadn't seen him as this honorable figure who was basically, like, larger than life? Because, you know, Bran had it brought home to him the other week um, at the at the battle at the Tower of Joy that, oh, he stabbed him in the back. Whoa, you know, that's not how I was told the story. What if they had actually been told the truth about some of Ned's things that he'd kept from them? What if they knew that he wasn't really the honorable, the the the, the pagan of honor that they mistook him for? You know, well, see, I, I think I, I think, think they'd that, have been better off. I think Ned Ned was a completely honorable person. If he'd have just told the truth, it'd have been even better in their eyes. Like, yeah, I'm not really John's father, but I took him in anyway. Yeah, but he couldn't. He couldn't tell the truth about exactly. that. No, because if, if Robert Baratheon ever knew that to. that man was, if, if yeah. Robert Baratheon ever knew, but I'm sure his family would have kept that secret, though. Well, maybe no. Sansa would. Yeah, no, Sansa would uh-uh. open her mouth, and that'd have been the end. She's a but vapid, it, she's a vapid but, little airhead. Oh but my god, that poor. I, and you know what? Watching Sansa try to to, to talk to Lyanna Mormont, you're so pretty. Fuck you. I mean. That was, <laughs> 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 that was actually hilarious. Which brings me to my next topic. Let's talk about House Mormont. First of all, uh, Corey, I want to ask Corey Smith. Let me ask you this: This is our first look at Bear Island on the show. How 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 were you t- taken in by the beauty of it? Yeah, I mean, Bear Island looks like probably the coolest place we've seen in all of Westeros so far. It's like, dang, I want to go retire there. That looks like a I, badass. It was little, amazing, yeah. right? Like I kind of pictured Bear Island as this. Surrounded by huge, Bear. tall bears, like a bunch of bears, 
and uh, huge tall like cedars or whatever, and like a big huge hunting lodge for their castle. Yeah, that's all. And here we are. Here we are looking at this goddamn picturesque waterfall island. I mean, it was just beautiful. Yeah, it looked like and a I Swedish looked... retreat for like you know some dot com millionaire. You know, <laughs> yeah, dot com millionaires. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we get in, and unlike any, any was expecting an older Mormont, I was expecting the younger Mormont, and I was happy with I was happy with little Liana. I was a I was expecting a firecracker, and I got exactly what I wanted because last season when she sent that letter to Stannis, I actually was clapping. I was audibly clapping because I knew exactly what was coming. I was very happy for it. And then when she shows up on screen, she was bigger than life. Like she she far out exceeded my expectations. So Isis, let me ask you this: What was your impression of? Little Leon on the Firecracker Mormont. Well, at first I was kind of confused because I was like, who's this little girl, you know, sitting in this chair? And, and I was just like kind of confused. I was like, oh, shit, she's running things in this place. And then when she started talking, I was like, she's everything we want Sansa to be. But Sansa <laughs> can never be her. Like it was just she was just amazing. She was strong. She was, you know, very uh, self-assured. Um, it was just it was so amazing to see this young girl play this a very strong part. It almost made you forget how young she she was. If you had closed your eyes and just listened to her talk, you would have thought she was a woman, you know, of some more years uh, on her. But when you look at her, you're just like, holy crap, that, you know, the visual and the audio audibles didn't uh, reconcile. So I thought it was really interesting what she had to say. Um, I'm not going to lie. I was like, when she said with 62 men, I was like, like 62,000. I was like, mm, is that what she means? Like 62,000? Like, I, I don't know. I just, and then it was like, no, like 62 and they're, you know, twice as strong and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, God, this was a waste of fucking time. Ten I was just times like, as strong. Uh, yeah, ten times as strong. I was like, still, that's a waste of freaking time. <laughs> um, go ahead. No, 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 you go because mine's a joke. So <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, no, I go didn't ahead. think it was a waste of time. I well, mean, no. I think that they have to build. And like they were saying, they got to build small. And I think that it's one of those things where it's like, you win the endorsement of, you know, the teachers union, and then the, you win the endorsement of, you know, one thing at a time. To, so, you know. the, so John Snow is Bernie Sanders. What is this? No, 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 I mean, no, no, no. Like John Snow, like, John Snow, Leanna Mormont, twenty sixteen. I am all about that. Okay. Well, here's go. the thing: sixty two uh, Bear Island guys. All you have to do is find 62 blonde women, and then you have them be totally dedicated to them, and then they just follow – you just send them into the castle. They follow them into the castle, and they take it because they won't be stopped from getting that dragon poon, man. Like, Mormons are the most friend zone. It would be amazing. That's all you have to do. You know their strengths. You know their There's strength. Daenerys. Everybody get her. The whole 62 crazy men. Run after the yeah, it's exactly what would happen. You got it, man. Glad well, I just but you know that's I just the reason felt like that. Go ahead, Isis. What were you saying? No, no, go ahead. Well, that's the reason Liana Mormont is so badass. Is she is she's the matriarch of her family because first of all, 
her mother and her aunts went away to Rob's war, and on the show they died. In the books, her I believe her mother or her one of her either her mother or her aunt survived because Rob sent her away to with with a letter that legitimizes Jon Snow. Rob in the books, Rob legitimizes Jon Snow and makes him a Stark. In case he died, Rob is Rob said. In case I die, I want to legitimize John as a Stark, and this letter proves it. And he sends uh, Madge Mormont, I believe is her name, off with a letter to Howland Reed. Go go through Howland Reed. I want this letter to be legitimized. So she survives the war, and but Liana Mormont is stays at uh, Bear Island, and then. Of course, her uncle Jor, Mor- Jor Mormont is the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. He's killed at Craster's Keep in the mutiny. Uh, her cousin Jora is had to flee Westeros because he uh, sold slaves, and that's a punishable offense. And Eddard Stark was coming to punish him by probably beheading him, so he fled Westeros and went to Essos. And which that's is why he- Jora is at Castle Black in his place. Yeah, which is why Jor, yeah, Jor, Jor came to more to Castle Black to to take the Black in, in his son's place, no, and which no, is why no, John, no. which is why John got got uh, Longclaw. John got Longclaw because his um, it used to be House Mormont's Valyrian steel sword, but because Jorah disgraced House Mormont, Jor Mormont gave it to John. Because he saved his life. Are we misremembering? Corey? I, I thought they I thought they made it clear in the books that uh, Jorah was Lord of Bear Island when he uh, did the whole thing with the slavers, sold the poachers. You may be right, and you may be right. He may be and, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> a little of both. I, you may be you may be right. I think he was Lord of Barrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, and then his, and then his sister took over after he left. Yeah, uh, Gior, Well, technically, it would have been Jorah's aunt. It would have been Gior's sister. Yeah, and she she survives, but she has like I forget how many. She had like three or four daughters. But it becomes She Bear Island. It's all right. females. Yeah, it is all females because Mage goes up to find Howland Reed. Uh, one of her daughters is with her, an elder daughter. And then she ends up with Stannis before they go to Winterfell. And, and she's guarding Asha Greyjoy, correct. which is Yara Greyjoy on the show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have to say, this show is so good at casting kids. It it's is. Just, it it is really is stunning. I mean, the kid, who played, the kid who played Hodor for like a day, he was fan, you know, when he was playing Willis. That kid was amazing. And the, I... this little kid who played Lyanna Mormont, she was amazing. Carrie Ingram, who played Shireen, was amazing. Yeah. Can, I, can I ask a question? Because it was in the comment section of one of the older shows, and now that it just happened, I have to ask. Uh-oh. Annie, why do you say Hodor instead of Hodor? <laughs> it's like people <laughs> say Mario instead of Mario. It's like I don't because, get it. Okay, because, I've re- because I read the books a long time ago, and oh, there are okay. some that are just stuck in... It, it's, it's like when you've read words, but you never heard them out yeah. loud. No, that's and a great like, point. That's and great I answer. still... Even to this day, like there were so many that I don't. I say I still say Daenerys instead of it, yeah. Like I just I mispronounce it all because I've had the pronunciations that wrong in my head for so many years no, that it's fine. really hard for me to swap over. And like the fact of the matter is, is what did I do for years? Also, I wrote 
I didn't actually do podcasts until this year. I had actually yeah. had to say these names out loud uh, until like I don't know now. So yeah. So what I'm learning from this is that much like me and Razor, if you just learn to not read ever, and you actually don't have the ability, then you should be fine. So yes, that's, that's absolutely correct. That's how you learn how to pronounce things properly in Game of Thrones. Awesome. All right. Anyway, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I actually no, no, saw no, that. No, 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 I no, saw I that comment. I have a friend that pronounced like Super Mario World, but it's Mario, and I'm like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you saying Mario? Please stop. It's it's horrifying. Hodor is not as bad. I just was curious. So that's a great answer, though. And you it's why it. I say Danny instead of because I can't remember how to say her name off the top of my head properly. So she I just keep calling her names, Danny. So <laughs> Well, plus, George R. R. Martin has a way of just really fucking with your mind by spelling names all kinds of crazy weird. Oh, you know, I used to actually, like, when I when I first started writing about Game of Thrones in season one, I would literally chant to myself, A before E-N-E, A before E-N-E, because, I would, because otherwise I would just wouldn't spell it right. And Marjorie's another one where it was A-R-A-E, A-R-A-E, oh, God. yes. Yeah. Oh God, I that her name a, is so weird. A before E, except after G, except it's in gay as in Loris is gay. Got it. <laughs> so that's what they teach in Westeros. Okay. So um, we've talked about Liana Mormont. I think we've all been been impressed by her her talk to the hand moment she had with her macer, her shutting down of Sansa. That was an amazing moment, by the way. I'm my. My mother was no beauty. She wasn't even a great beauty, but she was a warrior. That was pretty awesome. And um, and her sixty-two men. So I I would I would dare say that her sixty-two Bear Island men would wreck the dicks off of Ramsey's twenty good men. I would I would love well, to they see that. They outnumbered three to one, so I would hope so. Well, you know, Ramsey's twenty good men have taken out. Uh, a whole entire army of Stan of Stannis's men. So well, it reminds it was, me, and I don't want to 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 jump in too much, but it reminds me of the scene in Three Hundred whenever Leonidas is like, um, "Hey, so what do you? Oh, I'm a blacksmith. Oh, I'm a painter. Oh, well, what are we? We're soldiers, blah, blah, abs, right? Like that. <laughs> like the Mormons. Like I can see that being their thing. Like we fight. That's what we do. We kick ass. <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. So yeah, I'm sure that sixty two of them will make a big, a, a nice difference. In the oh, little Jesus section Christ. of the field if they're they, fighting in. But. If they show if the if House Mormont shows up in episode nine in like Spart Spartan gear, I'm gonna just laugh my ass off. With like bears on their shield <laughs> and no shirts. Oh man, I mean Yeah. In the middle of winter. You had me at just no shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway on this show can get it. That's right. Treat <laughs> <Beat> yourself. <laughs> Lord. Okay, so let's let's jump over to Essos, where the Ironborn, most of the Ironborn fleet has docked at Volantis, and Yara Greyjoy is chasing Tail. And uh, apparently she's bi-curious, or she's full-on gay, we don't know. Bi-furious is what she Bi-furious! Um, they don't, I don't even uh, really care. I I, mean, I don't I, care I, either. I don't, okay, honestly, let me, let me let me let me predicate this moment by saying I do not care if she's gay or not. But in the books, Asha Greyjoy is not gay. She likes the D, not the P. All right. 
But in the what? show, I guess. Yeah, she does. And, and she's very open about, like, she wants hers in the bedroom. Like, she is, yeah. she is a very, she's very forward about it, and she's very, and she's very, like, honest about it. Like, it's actually, I really like it because it's a very, like, you know, most women in Westeros are not, you know, forward like that. And so it's yeah. really it's really refreshing to see. But yeah, instead in because it's HBO, they couldn't actually just have a straight woman who was honest about her desires and chasing men. They had to make her into a lesbian. Cuz HBO. Yeah, so apparently well, I just for felt reasons like they were for reasons I'm whatever sorry, unbeknownst to us they changed it. But whatever. I don't care. What were you, you know, it was, I want to hear what ISIS you know, has to say because I, I feel like ISIS can have something pretty interesting to add to this. ISIS does have something interesting to add, and I do want to hear it. I don't believe that for a second. No, I, I just – I don't care, I mean, whether she's a lesbian. I didn't read the book, so I didn't know that she, she uh, got down with the D. I mean, I didn't – I don't care either way around it. Um you know, the fact that she is in touch with her sexuality, whether it be a woman or a man, is perfectly fine with me. And still she's breaking barriers, whether she's chasing a man Preach. or she's chasing Preach. a woman. So I really don't care about that. I think a lot of people were making, you know, kind of uh, making a big deal about, oh, my God, she's a lesbian. I was just like, OK, well, that just answered that question. Who cares? You know, but at the same time, I was like, I don't care. I think it's just really empowering to see a woman in touch with her own sexuality and and that she's not ashamed of it, whether she likes women or if she was, you know, in the books, I guess she's, you know, you know, looking for dick. But um, so I just I think was it's really, the drinking uh, game. Yeah, that's like absolutely the dream. Drink, and it was just so awesome because she was like totally wingmanning it or wingwoming it, whatever. And she was just like, okay, you know, I know that this is probably really tough for my brother, and she's dealing with it with him. Like the only way she knows, but that moment exactly. that they looked That's at each other, it was. it was, it was so emotional. Like they were really connecting on a level. Like it kind of made me teary eyed. It was really kind of a, you know, brother and sister moment that they're like, we're in this together. We, I got your back. I believe, I believe that you have my back. You know, it kind of was like a moment that she kind of forgave him for, him basically kind of betraying her when he tried to save her. Uh, so I, I felt like it was a really good, honest moment uh, between, you know, <laughs> between two real uh, characters that a brother and sister relationship. But I say, go on girl. You know, I don't think we've seen a woman more in touch with her sexuality. Um, we've seen it from Marjorie. We've seen it from uh, what's her name? Crap. I can't believe I, I've Cersei, thank or you. whatever. Uh, uh, Cersei, uh, I feel like, and I would like, to, I would even say Danny for for the most part. You know, she's. I she's would say Oberon was pretty in tune with her sexuality because she was with Oberon, and <laughs> and he was he was doing whatever he felt like that day. And I oh, I, I oh. agree one hundred percent what you said, Isis, one hundred percent, where you said that she is co she is trying to help. Uh, Theon cope with this the only way she knows how is that the correct way clearly not like the only way that the only thing Theon actually responded to was his sister making a connection if you noticed it was after she touched him and and it, it, it just seems like after someone like for, for 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 Theon who was tortured and for I don't know how long the only contact he felt was causing pain to let someone touch him like that shows that he is like really okay with them and is trusting of them. He really trusts and loves his sister. And and 
that moment where she reached out and touched him, that was where she, I think she figured out, I can't get the, he doesn't have a dick anymore, he doesn't drink, like, like he's not the guy that he used to be, I gotta figure out how to connect with him, I don't know how to do that yet, but I want him to know that I want to connect with him, that was what was important, I think. Corey Smith, let me ask you this. Knowing that Daenerys in the books likes to uh, swing both ways when she gets bored, um, do you think that they're setting us up for a Yara Danny love connection? I, I, I mean, I hope week, not. By the way. I, I mean, listen, I, I don't have any problem with her sexuality either way. You know, either way she goes, but it just seemed, it just seems like one of those things they did you know, more for, like, a shock value, you know, HBO, oh, let's make her a lesbian, like, and, and, I mean, if it does end up being a point, you know, like, okay, well, now she can marry Danny, I guess, I, I mean, then, sure, but I just, I don't know, it just seemed kind of like, hey, let's, you know, we've done the girl-on-guy thing, let's do a girl-girl thing. I don't think it's a marriage thing, I think yeah. that, you know, in the, as, as in the books, like, we talked about this today in the Wick chat, in the books, Danny sometimes finds herself bored or scared at nighttime, so she finds solace in the embrace of another woman. And so whether it's her bed her bed warmers or or whatever, she has sex with another woman. And so I'm just wondering she hasn't done it on the show yet. And I'm just wondering if that or she, I guess she did in season one when she was learning how to have sex. But I'm wondering if this is what's going to happen if Yara gets to Meereen and she's all randy and all cocksure to, you know, whatever you want to call it. But she she gets I there. Think, I think if that does happen, that I think um, the way Yara's uncle was talking about Danny, like it kind of repulsed the way, you know, he was talking about like, oh yeah, I'm gonna give her my D my and big she's gonna, yeah, and I'm she's gonna you know basically do what I want her to do and stuff like that. And um, I think I really kind of discussed it. I think if there is, I don't think the show is gonna do something like that unless there's like some real connection. I'd like to see them together, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't just say, oh yeah, you know these two are. I'd said it jokingly like two weeks ago. Um, you know, on the podcast and everything, but I really don't think the, the I, I don't think the show's going to go there. But if there's a we real can connection, hope. I sh- shit, we, can hope. we I, I don't have any problem with it. Go on, girl, get your swirl on. I don't care. You know, it's, <laughs> do what you do. You know, well, I mean, I'm not going to judge somebody. There's a theory floating out there on on a, on a different topic, but staying with the Ironborn. That once uh, the Ironborn fleet does get to Meereen, that Theon will join the Unsullied. No. no, I hate that theory oh, so much. I don't see that at all. Re- no. It's one of the most re- no. just because he has no no wedding tackle that he's going to join the Unsullied. I think it's the most ridiculous uh, predictions or theories out there, and I just want to say this on record that no, that will not happen. Uh, first of all, his sister wouldn't allow it to happen. Second of all, they made it. Ha- she said it. Listen, if you're going to be this way, if you're going to be broken, cut your wrist. But if you're not going to be broken and you're going to do this with me. Be Theon Greyjoy. Be a Greyjoy all the way. And you saw the fire come back in his eyes. Like, after he drank the ale and, he, and she said, are you going to be with me? The fire came back in his eyes. Like, he was Theon Greyjoy. For mo- he came back and I all and, the way. And if I was, if I was the sister, if I was um, Yara, I would have went a step forward, uh, a step further and said, you know, there's nothing wrong with your mouth. Like, you can still have, like, 
relations. I mean, you don't have anything down there, but like you still have your hands, you still have your mouth. I mean, you know, there's there's other things you can do. You know, there's life after not having a penis. I mean, well, in the in the books, Ramsey makes him do horrible things with his mouth. So let's not go there. Anyway, um, why did you have to do that? I'm just telling you, it's just ask ask Annie. It's horrible. Anyway, so many things um, bad. Let's let's leave let's leave Volantis. Let's go let's go to the Riverlands and let's talk about the Blackfish. We start to see the Blackfish. Another character was brought back on screen who we haven't seen in a long time. And this scene, Corey Smith, let's talk about this for a second. This was almost word for word, scene for scene, straight out of the book. So Lannister army arrives, eight thousand strong, creeps up on the back end of the Frey army's line, breaks right through where we see the the dopey dipshits from, from House Frey trying to threaten the Blackfish with Edmure Tully, and uh, nothing happens. The Blackfish is like, well, cut his throat. I don't care. It's an empty threat. And then Jamie bitch slaps Black Walder Frey. How did you like that scene? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely, I mean, especially going into the episode, that was one of the, you know, the scenes I was kind of looking forward to the most because it seemed like they were going to stick pretty close to the books. And in the books, like you said, it's a really awesome, you know, kind of scene because you got the Blackfish who just lost all his fucks at the Red Wedding and just does not care. (laughs) And, yeah, and I think that, you know, he doesn't want to see his his nephew, Edmure, killed, but he knows they're going to kill him anyway, so I'm not going to give up the castle and give him what they want. So, you know, it's not that he wants to see him dead, but it's like, well, if you're going to kill him, kill him, but I'm not giving up the castle. So, and then, you know, his, his banter with, with Jamie was pretty awesome. You know, the siege is really pretty, dull. So you pretty know. much, pretty much right out of the book too. It was pretty much yeah. word for word right out of the book. Yeah, it actually absolutely. reminded me of the first time uh, Oleana met Tyrion. Um, and she was like, I, I came here expecting, you know, somebody interesting and I found a bookkeeper, you know, basically mm. Blackfish was like, I came here expecting somebody interesting and you've disappointed me. Mm. Yeah. And then, yep. but the only thing I disliked about that scene was Braun riding up like he had been there the whole time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not that, I mean, I miss Braun. He's one of my favorite characters on the show, but I mean, he's just riding alongside Jamie. Like he's been there since the beginning of the season. There was no like, Oh, Hey, you were off doing some super secret mission or whatever. <laughs> you know, it was just, Hey, Braun's back. And you know, he's been gone for seven episodes. So yeah, I wasn't so a fan feel of like that. that. He just, he just needed a bigger, like, Hey, you know, he's that you feel like he's such an important character that it deserved more like of a backstory. Unlike, you know, the Blackfish where he's been gone for several seasons and it was just like, oh, yeah, I think I remember this guy. Yeah. And I mean, they could have just been. Yeah, they could have just said, oh, hey, thanks for, uh, you know, getting this army together for us the past couple of weeks. You know, like it it didn't have to be a big, you know, you don't have to tell every second that he's done, but you could have you know, explain it just a tad. I mean, he literally was just riding alongside Jamie like he had been there the entire season, which was kind of whatever. But, I mean, I forgave it because, you know, his dialogue was awesome. You know, when Jamie starts to try and ply him with a, you know, a a castle and a wife, he's like, I don't want to fucking hear it. And And he basically tells Braun that he's going to be his right-hand man. Right. Like, he's 
he's going to be part of the the Lannister army. He's going to be like his lieutenant. And and I love that line. A Lannister always pays his don't fucking say it. Yeah. Don't you say it. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think there's a level where Bronn might actually have a sense that Jamie has lost. You know, because the fact of the matter is both Jamie and Cersei have lost. They don't realize they've lost, but Jamie is not there on his own power. He's there because he was commanded to go there. You know, he is now a piece in somebody else's game. You know, and I think there's a level where Bronn probably has a sense from Jamie that things are he, he this is like when things started to go south with Tyrion. And Bran would, uh, Bron would know that. Not Bran. I'm sorry. Bron would know that. Yeah, I, I, I have a feeling part of the reason why Bron told him to, to shut it is because he knows at this point it's most likely bullshit, and he's probably backed the wrong horse again. But you have to, you have to appreciate Bron in season six. He's become a more loyal person than he was in season one. Like he's sticking with Jamie. Like. Like he, the fact that he stood beside him and that he, and that he. Well, he's gonna he ride gave, his horse as far as it takes in the same he, way he, he rode gave, Tyrion as far as it takes. It, well, I know, but he gave orders to get to start dig the trenches and yeah. the trebuchets and and then like he went and gave orders for the parlay with the blackfish. Like that was, and then you know it's it's typical fun brawn. Like I, my money's on the old man. Like that that was. I missed. I have like like Corey said. I I have missed Bron all season long, and I kind of wish that he's. I kind of wish he'd have been with Jamie in King's Landing this entire time. Like they could have put him with Jamie as he marched on the Sept. You know, like he could have been beside Jamie ahead of the Tyrell army. He could have been there this entire time. You know why everybody like, loves Bron? Because Bron brings a non-highborn, basically a, a viewer point of view every into man. the show. So when we watch it and we go, hey, you guys are stupid as hell, and Bron is in like, hey, you guys are stupid as hell. Like, it's great. <laughs> like, he, he brings a non – well, I can't remember the character's name in The Simpsons that, like, is always recognizing how absurd The Simpsons universe is. Bron recognizes how absurd everything about the Lannisters is. And, and everyone else as well. And he calls them out on it because he knows he's a better fighter than all of them. And mm-hmm. and he it's it's amazing to have that in the show. You don't want to have too much of it. I get why they pulled him out. But at the same time, I would have loved to have him be like, really? You're going to march an army against the priest? Really? Like, that, that would have been, like you said. Really I would have awesome. loved to have him make fun of Mace Tyrell. Like, that, you know, call him a fop or something. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. But, um... So we we had we had some great scenes at River Run and it's going only going to get better next week but we are starting to wind down. Let's talk about Arya and Bravos real quick. I want to talk about her scenes and we can't really talk about this really quick because we need to talk about this in depth, but there's a couple of theories running around that about Arya's scenes in Bravos and I want to talk about it with everybody. But let me get my take on it really quick. I am of the mind that the Arya that we saw Walking around in Bravos was not actually Arya, that it was actually Jack and Hygar, sexy Jesus, wearing an Arya face, walking around Bravos, testing the waif. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it until I find out next week. Because we see Arya jumping around like she's in Assassin's Creed, doing parkour off buildings, and for somebody who's been gut-stabbed and slashed, and had a knife twist in her gut, she sure has healed up quite nicely and is able to run and fight really well in the, in the next episode. So I just have a feeling, 
and it's just just my theory, and it's a Reddit theory as well. I've seen it several times on Reddit that Jack and Hygar was testing the waif because here's what he said to the waif: "Don't let her suffer." And it, it's it's off for the faceless man to kill somebody with glee. It's not supposed to be with 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 emotion. It's just supposed to be a job. And the waif took glee like she she did it with emotion. She took exception with this kill. She twisted the knife. She slashed. She had fun with this kill. And I think I just and there was too many things like the way she was walking in the middle of the street with her hands behind her back. And the way that she was really, really arrogant, and and she threw like two huge bags of money on the table to book passage on a ship. Where did she get all that gold? And she was missing Needle. Where was Needle? She had Needle. She retrieved Needle from the rock. We saw that. Where was Needle? She wasn't wearing Needle. Jack and Hygar would not have Needle with him if he was posing as Arya. So, those are my questions. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. I would like to hear your guys' thoughts. Anybody, pipe up. I thought it was well, Arya. I thought... Did you think it was Arya? I, I thought it was Arya, uh, too, but I thought she was kind of luring uh, the waif out uh, by going ahead and flashing that money. I mean, you know, if she, if a young girl is throwing out this, you know, money around, first of all, where did she get the money? But uh, the second thing would be, like, you know, if someone is – a, a young girl saying, hey, I want to book a passage and I want to go to King's Landing and everything and you're going to take me tomorrow, um, you know, that kind of thing. Then she was on this like basically abandoned bridge area and she saw this person come up and it was an older lady. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I recognize that face. That face was in the hall of the the of the hall in the House of Black and White, all those faces and stuff. Mm-hmm. We've seen that old lady before. So. She would have, I would hope, recognized that lady, that old lady's face and would, would have been like, oh, okay, you know, I need to defend myself. But she was all like, you know, like, oh, come here and everything. Um, so I really feel like that at, when I first watched it, I felt like she was trying to lure out the wave so she can maybe stage her own killing. Um, if you remember the lady who played Cersei in the play, you know, told her that she had expressive eyes and that she, do you like, you, you like to play other people, things like that. And I just feel like she was playing a part, you know, that she was kind of luring the wave out, maybe trying to, um, you know, get the, the wave to kill her. And then maybe, um, so that how do you, you think that how dead. do you fake how do you fake stabs to the gut though? How do you fake? I, a I have, she had to gut. she had to take I, the knife to the gut in like like a like a like a wrestler takes a bump she'd have to take the knife to the gut um, in order for it to work. You know I actually buy that theory a lot more than I do razors. Um, okay. Yeah I I I honestly just took this as a scene of bad writing. I'm not gonna lie. I just oh straight my up, god! Like, Thank really? you so much. No, it like straight awesome. up, I just took this as I took this as a scene of bad writing. Okay, we need to get Arya back to Westeros. We're gonna have her book passage. We're gonna have her act like an asshole because that's kind of how she acted when she came across the first time. She learned how to behave that way with the first guy when she came over was to throw money around and act like that. So you know, like I just took this as okay. Apparently, we need to get Arya to Westeros, so this is gonna happen. Oh, hey, look, she got stabbed. Um, okay, it's one of two things, and this is what pisses me off, is that both of them are stupid. Is okay. that A, 
uh, either Arya walking around. Remember when Varys was like, hey, Tyrion, you walk like a rich person. She was walking oh. just like that. That's yeah, not she how Arya, was. That's not how Arya walks. Arya, the last time we saw her, had holed herself up in this cubby hole with a, without even – she blew the damn – uh, candle, candle out. Candle. So like she was waiting on the wave to show up with, so she had needle ready to protect herself. And then she's strolling around, taking in the sights, looking around, probably eating a funnel cake at some point, just wasting everybody's time. <laughs> Which is why it wasn't it was Aria. Okay, fine, Razor. If it, was it wasn't Aria, if it wasn't Aria, what? The, why in the hell did you waste our time with Aria dying? Because when it when she got stabbed. My, I was watching it with my girlfriend. She was like, "Is this a dream?" I was like, "It better be, because if this is actually Arya, then okay. If it if it is Arya and she got gut stabbed and then she fell in the water and the wave is like, and she's dead. I leave now forever. And Arya gets away that way. That's stupid as hell. And if it's not Arya, if it's I don't know, jocking whatever sexy Jesus face is in that. That's dumb. If it's I, I can't. I don't know how they save this without just being like. And Arya ends up back in Westeros, and everybody happy with that? And it's like, no, we're not. I don't know how they're going to save this. I want Arya to fight the wave. I want a closure with this faceless man thing. And if they're setting it up that it was Arya that got stabbed, then she should probably die, since gut stabbing still would kill you today, let alone back in insert time. I don't know what time and, this is. And she fell into the filthy, disgusting exactly. a petri, canal A petri water. dish of water. Because you know people are just pissing and shitting yeah, in that water. Or <laughs> it's not Arya. And then it's like, okay, fine. Why was he hiding as Arya? Was it a test for the waif? This whole thing with Arya has actually been a test for the waif? What the hell kind of storyline is that? I, and I don't know the other – I don't know regular size Rudy – has complaints about this as well. <laughs> I just think it's been a if either way, if Arya dies or or she doesn't die somehow lives to that shit, or if it was the faceless man, what a waste of our time. Corey Smith, chime in. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with uh with uh Corey first of his name. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just. Nothing. There was not a single second of that entire scene that worked for me. And I mean, before I get to all that, I gotta bring up two points that nobody else has brought up. So uh, the when she's booking passage, the the Westerosi captain guy mentions that the Iron Fleet's already in Slaver's Bay. So I, I, that kind of to me tilts it towards maybe being a dream or something like that. Because I mean, we saw clearly saw the Iron Fleet was in Volantis. And Volantis is a pretty decent way from Slaver's Bay, so it's not like they're next door to each other. So I didn't catch that. Yeah, he said the Iron Fleet's in Slaver's Bay, so I don't want to go anywhere near those. He said something, but he mentioned that right before she did it. And then, as I was rewatching tonight, right before we did the podcast, after she books passage and she starts to walk through that little tunnel to the little bridge or whatever, she passes by a girl that's facing the other direction that's com- that's uh coming towards her other aria and other aria she, and she is wearing aria's exact outfit from when she sold the oysters clams and cockles the cat of the canal and she outfit. right and she even has a little basket that she has under her arm that looks exactly like the basket so I don't know if that means anything. It was just a coincidence that we're using a costume or what. But. I'm sorry. Point of order, Corey. It's actually oysters, clams, and cockles, not okay. what you said. There so, we go. Yeah. Oysters, clams, and cockles. Yeah. 
But I mean, yeah. So back to you know, I mean, just none of it worked. I mean, like, okay, yeah, is it secretly jacking? I mean, what would be the point in that? It, and then if it's not, if it, if they really are playing that it's Arya, I mean, how dumb does she have to be? I mean, she's she just gave a giant middle finger to an assassin's guild, one that she knows has a basement full of faces. And then she's standing on a bridge by herself. One person walks up to her. She's not immediately on guard. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing if she's walking through a crowd of people and someone jumps out real quick and, and boom. I mean, she's standing on a bridge. There's nobody around her. Some little old lady starts walking up to her. She's not immediately on guard. I mean, like, did she learn nothing the entire time she was there? So, and what's she going to do when he gets back to Westeros anyway? This is my question. She's booking passage back to Westeros because she's going to go back to Westeros. But what is there in Westeros for her? I, I mean, 62 I more months. That's yeah, what. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought she'd go off with the players. Like, at least that would be a life. I mean, I think she's she probably, you know, thinks let's get back to Westeros and see what's going on. And, and you know, if there's still some people. She clearly is still motivated by her kill list so you know she wants to get back and find out anybody of those any of those guys still alive so she can you know use what she's learned i just it, none of it worked for me i mean yeah she she let the girl just walk up to her she didn't have needle i mean like if you're if you just you know pissed off a bunch of assassins you'd have every weapon you had with you you know well, leave at the same time, didn't Jon Snow run out to find Benjamin without taking his sword too? Yeah, but so, I mean, see, those were but those were people he trusted. He, that's he wasn't, true. You got me I there. Mean, yeah, I mean, she well she knows those people are after her. She knew enough to go get Needle. So then, why would she then leave it in her sleeping hole or whatever it was? You know, Plus our our good friend our good friend Bandit would say they're all Starks and they would just run out without their weapons anyway. That's true. <laughs> But I would just like to say this, man. This all just lends credence to my theory that it's Jack and Hygar, that I we there's been no proof that Arya has amassed two bags full of money, first of all. And that first bag of money that she threw on the table was a bag full of Bravosi coinage. It was the square or the whatever, the hexagonal cut Bravosi coinage. So that just makes it's me think that... It's a trapezoid, you lepton. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me on that I one. And then, and then, and then she throws a second bag of coinage on it. And then, as she's walking away, she quickly and deftly picks up the bag, just like just like that. Like, you know, I know she's learned some assassin tricks and how to how to quickly cut purses and take things, but that was in the books. They didn't show it on the show. Um, so she was really really quick by snatching that purse back up. Secondly, she walks. You Corey Corey first of his name brought up a great point. She walks through like a rich person through the city. She like, walks like somebody. If it was the wave, for example, she walks like the wave would have made fun of her walking like. Mm-hmm. Like yes, she talks yes. like the wave would have made fun of her. Or I guess how are we calling him Jackin now? Really, not Jockin. Sexy. We're gonna go Jack with Jack. Jockin. Jackie. Jack and All right, cool. Yeah, so Jacques we'll go with Jacqueline. Jacqueline, I got Jacqueline. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. thanks can, we, can we just? But yeah, go can ahead. Can we just I call think. him Sexy Jesus again? Yeah, yes, please. Let's sexy. just call him Sexy Jesus. That way, everybody could. Everybody, we're all on the same page. 
Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I just I'm with I'm with other court. Like, seriously, I nothing about that whole scene felt real. And it's like either way, if it was her, if it wasn't, what the hell were you playing at here? So Okay, but I'm just gonna say this one more time. She walked like a rich person. You said that. Perfect idea, perfect point. She talked like a rich person. She talked like a highborn lady. She had her Westerosi accent back. She had all that money. She didn't have needle. And then other Corey said, like he said, she let the little old lady walk right up to her, didn't put her guard up. And then if you guys notice, once the waif took off her face and started stabbing her, she headbutted her, kicked her, and then expertly rolled over the other side of the bridge into the water. Like she had the she had the state of mind to escape the the death trap of the knife, and then she swam to her to the to the steps. So I mean, you know, instead of being scared and 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 dying drowning in the in the in the canal, she swam to the safety of the steps and out, and then walked among the streets. Uh, whatever is wrong with her, and then we see the trailer for the next episode. And she's in a completely different outfit. She has a gray shirt on, and she's jumping from roof to roof. Somebody who's been gutted like a fish is not going to do parkour. But, okay, here's the thing, though. How can how can Sexy Jesus be wearing her face if she's still wearing her face? The whole uh, hang on. Of- in the show, they already showed that, that, that he had her face. Yeah, he oh, put her okay, face that's on. right, that's right, he did. Okay, no, nope, That's all right. a show thing, from what I understand. Yes, that is a show thing I had forgotten. Thank you. Yeah, they have, like, magical powers in the show, apparently. Yeah, well, they can put on faces and shrink three feet, so it's yeah. pretty <laughs> damn magical. It's about, I guess, that explains, I guess Superman's a faceless man. That explains everything, because the only explanation is that, oh, Superman put on glasses, he's still 6'5 and gigantic. It's like, oh, we didn't notice it, but if he actually... Superman is a faceless man. man. That makes a lot more sense, man. So, all right. The, you know, the, the, only, the only way that I see it making any sense, even if it's dumb sense, is that if Arya was somehow... She's got something on under her shirt, and she was somehow trying to lure the waif into killing her, or at least making the waif think she killed her, so that then she would be free of having. But to But then, why about. was she walking so terrified and exactly. like staring why, around? Why get because out? And I walk. think because she wanted people to see her. It would be the only I'm thing I could think that of. She wanted to be luring. She wanted to she, lure them yeah. to yeah, to get up. her to say what. Like you're saying, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm drunk. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I'm experiencing delay. I can't, I, when I, I keep on stepping on you guys. Sorry. Anyway, um, I just, I think she was luring them out to, to go ahead and try to kill her, you know, and then to try to get away as, as much as she can with most of her life. But I, I don't know. I don't know where the story is going. I agree with all of you guys. It really didn't make a whole lot of sense. But I'm hoping that this season has been so good that I am going to give them this leeway to oh, see cool. where this story is going. Because, you know, the last couple of seasons have not been, you know, snappy and great. But the last first half, I guess, of this season has been really wonderful. So, and, and you know, they're they're – they're able to kind of do their own thing, uh, um, the the creators of the show, and uh, so I, I'm really interested to see how they're going to to uh, play this out. I, I have to believe that they have a reason 
for what they did. So we'll just have to play it out. I just don't care about the waif's life. I really don't. I just don't see why uh, Sexy Jesus would want to be testing the waif. She, I mean, for all intents and purposes, she's really a no one on the show. So I, I can care less about her, you know, her story or why he's testing her. I want to know about Arya. So that's my only thing. Yeah, you see, the thing is, since I know that they've had periods where they've written really badly, um, hi, Dorn, that was why I just sort of wrote this off as, okay, this was badly written. That's just all this was. This was just badly written. We want to send Arya back to Westeros, so she's acting like she's going back to Westeros. Um, we need Arya to get stabbed so that she and the wife can have a humongous fight in the next episode, because the next episode is actually entitled No One. You know, like, th- this is all just set up for next week, and no, it doesn't actually make any sense, but oh well. I mean, seriously, this whole season's been really good, so we had a, we, we had a scene that didn't work. Oh well. Yeah, well... All I know is we've had two transitional episodes in a row in in a season full of wish fulfillment. We had, what, uh, five episodes of five finger slaps to the face, and now we've had two gentle pats to the back, setting us up for episodes eight, nine, and ten that should be straight up kicks to the gut. Uh, the trailer for next episode... Shows the mountain ripping off uh, Sparrow's head, probably. Uh, Cersei chooses violence. Hopefully, Lancel will die horribly. Um, it also shows the battle for River Run. Brienne's going to get some action. Hopefully, um, she doesn't have to fight Jamie, but we never know. We saw, if you saw Annie's br- trailer breakdown on Winter is Coming, she lightened up a picture where it showed. Brienne and Pod in a boat going down the river, and Brienne looking back, horrified. God only knows what she's looking at. And we also, uh, maybe we saw the uh, the Tully army marching out of River Run. We could be the Tully army. But um, there's a lot of things going to happen next episode, of, of course, the Waif and Arya's conclusion for this season. Hopefully Arya will come out on top. Um... And then, then we've got episode nine, which is the Battle of the Bastards, you guys. That's going to be an entire episode dedicated to Jon Snow and Ramsay Bolton fighting it out for the King in the North. That's going to be amazing. That, that's actually and the that, title of it is the Battle of the Bastards. That's actually the title. And then episode ten will be the Winds of Winter. The title will be called the Winds of Winter. And that will be the finale. And that will be probably when something bad happens, like a wall will probably be crumbling... More than likely, at the end of the season, we don't know, but it sounds like it could happen, and um, all kinds of bad shit will go down. But listen, I'm really looking. I'm really looking forward to the the next couple of episodes. But I'm I'm really interested in seeing Ramsey go down. Uh, the 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 uh, Battle of the Bastards. Uh, it, it's going to be intriguing to me. And then not only that, but uh, how Littlefinger gets back into this uh, battle here. Let me ask you this, and, and I we are, we have run over. We're we're almost at an hour and a half, but Uh-oh. we could go ahead. We could almost we could we could go ahead and get to an hour and a half. Let's just round it up. But let me ask you this: Do you? A lot of people have been speculating on the letter that uh, Sansa sent. We obviously she was sending it to Littlefinger. She doesn't trust John's judgment. She doesn't trust that John has enough strength to take on the Boltons. So she was sending that letter to Littlefinger. Um, do you think Littlefinger is going to come in time to save her? 
God damn it, Corey. Do you think he'll reach her in time to save her? Do you think he gets to use his time travel machine or not? That's the question. He went into the Greyjoys, so I don't know if he's got it back yet. That's true. That's true. Um, Or will he betray her and take out the winner of the... No. <laughs> We're 12 years old on this podcast. Or will he obviously Or will he betray her and take out the winner of this battle and declare himself the king in the north? With what army though? The army of the veil? The veil. No. Army of the veil. No. Come on. He's, he's got as Annie reminded us at the beginning of the season, he's got a piece of paper from Cersei that says if he what liberates if, Winterfell? If he, if he takes Winterfell away from the Boltons, he is there. For, he will become a uh, Warden of the North. Wow. Yeah. That would be crazy. I'd be yeah, so mad. But, um, <laughs> and you know, like I, I really think he's going to come to her aid because he is in love with Sansa, even though it's creepy and 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 nasty, and nobody really wants that. Um, the problem is, will Sansa allow him to basically manipulate her into marrying him? Or will she stand? Or will she stand against him if he? What if she betrays? What if she turns the tables on him and betrays him at the end? Oh God, I hope so. That would be that, that, would, that would be finally, beautiful. That would finally give her the street cred that everybody's been wanting her to have so badly. Can I just say that while objectively, Littlefinger and Sansa together would be creepy in the universe of the show, that would be a welcome respite from. All of the horrible crap that keeps happening. Just an older guy and a younger lady. Whatever. That's nowhere he's near a, as she's of age, right? It's, yeah. You know. It's nowhere near as bad as literally anything else. So, <laughs> Pet, fingers. Me. We'll call him. We'll call him Pedofinger instead of little. Yeah, finger. it was. It, although I'll, I'll tell no. you though, when he when he was looking at her in season one and she was like fourteen years old, like it was creepy. <laughs> Okay, at least I, at least now she is of age. <laughs> God damn it! This this podcast took a horrible turn. Sorry, this is what happens when you go an hour and a half. Next time, I know, right? The time limit. It, it's, it's true. You can I only know. talk about Game of Thrones for so long before getting into some really horrible sexual stuff. So, <laughs> for for everybody else, I'm Corey Thone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> For the FBI, (laughs) for the Federal Bureau of Investigations, I'm Razor. (laughs) All right, guys, listen, we thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week for episode 608, No One. You should be. And we'll see you then. Goodbye, good night, and good luck. Face will be added to the whole. You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods were mine. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake, the dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. They have no idea what's going to happen.